grab your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 10. We made it down last week through verse uh, first service 17, second service 16. Um, so we'll pick it up today. Um, for the sake of this service, I'll start reading at verse 17. So if you're with me there, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17, please say amen. amen. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The blessings of the Lord make one rich, but he who adds uh, excuse me. Ah, that's a good verse. Memory verse. I got to start over. The blessings of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. To do evil is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. The fear of the wicked will come upon him and the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Lord, we do thank you this morning for your word. I pray now, Lord, as we turn our hearts to it, that you would remove from our hearts the cares of this life and the burdens of this world that you would remove from uh, the room here, Lord God, and the lobby, any distractions, Lord, even online at the homes that are watching, that you would subdue things there as well. Lord, that we may hear what you have to say, Lord God, um, that we may be encouraged and rebuked and corrected and strengthened. All that is needful, Lord, that you would, you would now give us as you teach us by your spirit. We, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so... As we begin this section today, verses, really verses 18 down through verse 32, the entire section, if you remember, um, kind of flows all the way back to verse 11. Last week, verse 11 through 17, we kind of titled that point, he who speaks with wisdom is blessed. Well, it continues in verses 18 through 21. You could say he who speaks with wisdom is a blessing. And all of it, as you look at it, has this heart um, as we go of that we understand biblically, which is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Y'all know those verses, right? In other words, out of, out of that, in fact, verse 17 gives it to us. Notice it says, he who keeps instructions is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. And it, it could really be he who keeps or he who stores up instruction. 
is in the way of life. In other words, the righteous, the one who has wisdom, the one who loves the Lord, stores up the instruction and the, and the wisdom of the word in his heart, and it becomes a bank. Remember, Solomon is talking to his children, teaching them to receive instruction and hear wisdom and, and, and go in the way of the Lord that they can, they can prosper and have a, a, a fruitful life. So then the person who loves the Lord, the person who has wisdom, begins to store up the instruction that they receive from the Word of God into their hearts like a bank. And it's from that place, it's from the abundance of that instruction, the abundance of that wisdom that's been stored up over time, as verse 17 begins to imply to us, that comes forth things that are fruitful. It's kind of like in Psalm chapter 1 when he says that he who meditates on the word day and light is like a tree, day and night is like a tree planted by rivers of living water who yields its fruit in the season and whatever he puts his hands to shall prosper. Y'all remember that? It's this bearing fruit from that very thing in which, from which we are being nourished, which is the word of God. And so therefore, as we flow today into verse 18, it just kind of continues in that same thing, this whole section. Verse 18 and verse 19 kind of give us a little bit of what is happening from the wicked person. It says, whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Now, the interesting thing is I often, as I'm going through the book of Proverbs, these wise sayings of Solomon's, these little contrasts, I actually compare versions of, um, of the translations of the Bible, and the King James here is actually uh, or should I say the New King James, which I'm reading from, has a different sentence structure than the King James. And actually, the NIV follows that same sentence structure that the King James gives us. So let me read it to you in the King James. Y'all bear with me for a moment. The King James says of verse 18, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. In other words, the King James seems to imply, listen, that whoever uh, is hiding this hatred is doing so with lying lips, and the same person spreads slander, and it's a fool that does both. Now, we got to remember something for a moment. What did we learn last week? Last week, we learned a lot of things. Remember, we learned that there was a thin line between love and hate. Y'all remember that? And in verse 18, he says, whoever hides hatred... King James with lying lips here has lying lips. It implies the same thing. Whoever hides hatred, well, what is hatred? We often, as you remember, think of hatred as being something far from us. You know, I'm generally a good person. I don't hate anybody. I might not like everybody, we say, but I don't hate everybody. Y'all know what I'm saying, right? We, we justify this thing within us, but what we found, according to the Hebrew, if you remember, that to lack love is the foundation of actually having hatred. Why? Well, because God is love. And if we don't love, we don't know God, the scripture teaches us First John. Y'all remember that? Which becomes a very dangerous thing for me to look at because it says if I am not loving as a believer, I have fallen short and backslidden into sin. Now my heart, your heart, should be convicted because I have to evaluate my actions from a place of am I loving, not from a place of I don't hate. Because the reality is if I'm not loving, I'm in danger of hating. Well, then if I hide unloving feelings in my heart for someone with lying lips, in other words, I'm being fake, I'm acting like 
that I, I, I do care, I do love, when in fact I don't, then I'm hiding hatred. And it's from this kind of heart that slander can be spread because you remember that love covers a multitude of sin. And one of the ways it does, we looked at last week, is that from a loving heart, I'm going to do that which is going to protect my brother or my sister in the Lord. And so therefore, I'm going to guard what comes out of my mouth so I don't hurt them. And if I do, I'm going to be willing to get that right. Y'all remember this stuff? So the verse is, is, is kind of like this. It's almost like the danger of reading Proverbs. You should walk away with bruises and cuts because this is what the scripture wants to do. And it, he'll heal you, but it's causing us to understand that there's more under the surface of the scripture than what I can just do in a little cute devotion real quick before I go to work. It should be knocking you off your feet and bringing you to a place of conviction because that's how we begin to grow and look at each other differently because we all can be fake as we come in here. Um, so whoever hides, or conceals a lack of love in their heart through lying lips, Pastor Kevin translation, spread slander and they're a fool. One day I'm going to write it. I'm going to do a translation and put all my, my kids say I should do that. Put all my little stuff in there that, uh, anyway. So this is what the scripture is trying to get us to understand and look at. And so he continues along this same course here, and he says in verse 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Of course, these are the wise, Solomons of saying, uh, wise sayings of Solomon, excuse me. So he's observing these things, and, and he's writing them down. And what he just said to us in verse 19 is a wonderful verse that we should memorize. We should keep it. In other words, he says this, the more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. You ever meet somebody that, man, it, it, they, they don't even have a, a, a set of brakes on their mouth. Like, it just goes all the time. That person is often creeping into sin because they, 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 the more we talk, the more opportunity there is for us to step into something we shouldn't or say something we shouldn't. And so he says that somebody who is wise learns to restrain his lips and this is what we should be growing in and we should be recognizing and the Holy Spirit will show us when we mess that up and then we got to go back and we got to get that thing right. And so this is a wise, wise um, verse for us to ponder. It's one of those verses where the Holy Spirit can, can go ding, ding, ding when you get in danger of it. You say, remember Proverbs 10? You, no, let's be real. You won't remember the address. He'll just, he'll bring, he, he has a way of speaking to each one of us individually. He has a way of highlighting this verse to you. Maybe you'll hear it through Pastor Kevin's voice. If you do, don't get mad at me. But he'll bring this to us when he, when he wants us to understand, whoa, it's time to put some restraint, some guard, some slow down, some, some, some shut up, some, you know, some be quiet. <laughs> you know, it's much, much better to... Um, to be listening to than to speak anyway. You know, the Bible says a fool has no desire in, in hearing anything just by getting his own point out. We're going to see that later on. And that's a very dangerous thing. Now, biblical communication is always, listen, it, it involves several different things that God gives us, okay? When we think about James, James always tells us that, that he says, let every man be swift to, to listen, to hear, slow to and slow to rav. And so when you look in the mirror, God has this parable for you where you see 
two ears, two eyes, and only one mouth. So physically, we should be talking less than we are listening and less than we are watching. So we should be listening and observing, right? But then God gives us this other thing. We should be discerning by the Spirit of God. That's good communication. So when I'm communicating with my wife, I'm watching her, and I've learned her by watching her over time. I'm listening to her, and I'm asking God to give me discernment about what's happening in here because what's happening in here is what I want to, really want to get at because what's, what I'm viewing may not actually be fully reflective of what she's saying to me and anybody else, right? So I'm watching you, I'm listening to you, and I'm discerning you so that I can be a better communicator. And then I'm guarding what actually comes out and I'm not going to hide the lack of love. I'm going to repent and say, Lord, help me love. Amen. We, you feel all this stuff that comes through this as we, we look at these things. And so in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. In other words, it's going to creep in the more you talk. That's why the Bible says, let, let there not be many teachers among you because we all fall short and we, we can't bridle our tongue. Nobody is able to do this. No man can tame the little beast in his mouth, which gets him in trouble. That's what James says. So therefore, the best way to do it is to limit the amount of use and listen and discern and watch um, and allow the Lord to speak to our hearts so that we can speak from a place of understanding. That's good biblical communication. Now, um, verse 20 says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver and the heart of the wicked is worth little. I love this contrast. Um, it's a beautiful thing to begin to think about this. Solomon writing to his children, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Well, choice silver would have been something that, that the, the early readers would have understood. It would, be, it would be the good silver, that which has been thoroughly refined by someone who knows what they're doing to the point that it's so, it's so brilliant that you can almost see a reflection and if the sun hits it, you've got to turn away from it. It's been, it's been very well, very thoroughly refined. It's the good stuff. You follow what I'm saying? And Y'all get me? Yeah. So he says the tongue, literally the words of the righteous is that way. It's been refined in the heart. It's coming from a bank of wisdom. Why? Because they've kept, verse 17, they've stored up wonderful things. And out of the abundance of that bank of God's wisdom, coupled with love, their words are like choice silver. Proverbs is going to say later, and I'm thinking maybe chapter 18 or chapter 20, somewhere along the lines, um, that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Can you imagine that vivid language of words that are put in just the right way from someone who has the wisdom of God and love for the person they're speaking to? This becomes a very brilliant thing for us to begin to fathom as we look at this. And this is what he's getting at. He's saying, look, the words that come forth from a believer who's walked with the Lord, who's spent time with the Lord, who understands the heart of the Lord. Verse 21 goes with this. I'll come back to it. Notice it says, the lips of the righteous feed many. Listen, he's saying that the, that the, the very speech of the righteous, which comes from that bank of God's wisdom, feeds in the sense of literally feeding the spirit of those whom they're talking to. Some people use spiritual talk of speaking into one another's life, you know, and, 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 and I think that that applies here in the sense that when I speak from a place of God's wisdom, when we talk to each other from a place of God's wisdom, the words that are going to come are going to be a blessing to the listener, to the hearer. 
And this is what we need to know. And this is why fellowship can be so good. Because when you're in fellowship, you're able to speak to one another and the gifts of the Spirit are employed. And from a, a person who loves the Lord and has spent time with the Lord and has that bank and that well of wisdom in their heart stored up by the Lord, they can speak words that literally will feed and, and increase you and, and, and strengthen you. In fact, 2 Corinthians, Paul kind of says this, and this is a, the aspect of this that actually comes from not just the, the bank of the knowledge of the wisdom of the Lord, but also the experience of the wisdom of the Lord. Because as I walk with the Lord, I see that the word works. And I've applied the word. You've applied the word. And in those times when we've done that, we've gained understanding. So Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's a familiar phrase to us. Peter says that same phrase in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And I love it. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort notice, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Y'all catch that? And so with this, we begin to realize, again, the importance of fellowship is this, that when we are in fellowship, we're putting ourselves in the best possible place to get the most out of the spiritual food that is available. In other words, at home, I'm in the word by myself often and with my family sometime, right? Amen? Okay, amen? All right, I want to make sure you're saying that you're doing that. Okay, that's good. But then when we come around the body of believers, and especially when we're discouraged and going through something, like the powerful prayer that's been going forth this morning uh, by people who love the Lord. What happens is that not just the knowledge of the word, but what has been gained from applying it and spending time with him and how he's ministered to you individually from that bank, from that well comes forth that which the other person is in need of at that very moment. See, a lot of people want a ministry role that allows them to be either in a pulpit or to have a place of, of authority or to be highlighted within the body. And so often they miss out on the fact that God wants to use us right where we are to be a blessing in each, other, each other's life. Y'all know that, right? Ephesians chapter 4 says that what every joint and tittle supplies. Y'all remember that? Isn't that something? Every joint and ligament, I think is what it says. So and sometimes, look, sometimes you might just be a joint or ligament. And you may not be an elbow, you may be a little toe joint. And we don't want to be a toe joint because nobody sees the toe joint. But, you're, but, but I have this condition her, uh, heredity, uh, hereditarily um, that I get from my, my bloodline that if I don't watch my diet properly, gout can come, right? So what gout will do to the big toe, you will quickly see that without that joint, Ain't nothing working right, you know? <laughs> the toe joint is an important joint, okay? Trust me. But what I'm trying to say is that, it, that every joint and every ligament supplies something to the body, which is why fellowship is necessary, which is why the scripture says we should not forsake the gathering, but we should exhort each other more and more as we see the day approaching. So we're supposed to be together and ministering one to another. Like we're supposed to be speaking words, seasoned with salt to one another with praises and instruction and experience and testimony about God. So we're all blessed when we come together and spend time together as a body. 
That's why in 2020, people were losing their minds because they weren't able to experience that. And it was taking its toll on society as a whole. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, choice silver, he says here, and feed many, verse 21, he says here. But notice he says, but the heart of the wicked is worth little. And he says that, but fools die for lack of wisdom. He's saying, listen, the righteous, those who have the, the wealth of the bank of the word of God stored up in them, comes forth from them things that feed, things that are valuable, and, and, and that we know that and we experience it. All right. So as we move forward, verses 22 through verse 26 gets a little bit more practical. Notice verse 22 says, the blessings, or excuse me, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it beautiful verses this makes one rich it literally means to accumulate wealth or to be enriched and so there's a there's a practical I think and a spiritual side to this and I think we can't neglect that practically there is something being said to us in the book of Proverbs about applying the wisdom given to us that actually causes us to begin to accumulate a little wealth it's undeniable. It's throughout the book. And those who honor the Lord with their, with their income and with their possessions, uh, so their barns will be filled with plenty. Remember back in chapter 3, we learned that. Okay, so those of us who began to learn the wisdom of the Lord and managing the resources he puts in us, becoming good stewards, we began to just naturally accumulate some level of wealth. It's not that we're going to be what we might say all the time, rich based on the world's standards, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But there's a bit of wealth being developed in that. In fact, in this same chapter, verses 3 through 6, tend to hint towards some things that are necessary. Back up with me. Verse 3, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. Y'all see that? Solomon says in another place, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Y'all remember these verses. There's something to it, okay? We can't deny. And I'm not giving it to you in the same manner that your local uh, prosperity heretic might give it to you. I'm just saying the Bible is still speaking to us about some things we need to learn. Notice he says here, but he casts away the desires of the wicked. Verse 4, he who has a slack hand will become poor, but, he, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Remember, we are taught to be diligent like the ant. We're taught to run away from debt. Y'all remember that? But to save money like the ant, to work hard in, in the right season. Notice he goes on to say, he who gathers in summer, verse 5. Um, is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who calls to shame. Verse 6, blessings are, in the head, uh, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. So there are blessings that come to the righteous, and some of it is practical wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, uh, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day, speaking to Israel, and can be applied through, to all believers. In other words, and here's the beauty of that verse. The believer, check it out, the believer begins to realize that wealth comes from the blessing of the Lord, not the other way around. And so here's the thing. The righteous can see wealth where the wicked cannot. And what do I mean by that? Well, as a righteous man, I can take inventory and I can begin to count blessings 
whereas the rich, excuse me, the wicked man may would look and say, I don't see the wealth you're talking about. And I don't know about you, but when I lay my head down on my pillow at night and see what God has done through the course of a day and my family's safe and our needs are met, and, and if I don't wake up, I ain't got nothing to worry about, hey, I'm rich. I am rich. I realize that. I mean, God is amazing. I am rich because I belong to Jesus Christ. He loves me. He loves my family. He loves this congregation. And so from the perspective of the wise man, we begin to find riches way before the, Lord, the world would say that we've hit that area yet. You follow what I'm saying? And so with that comes this, this joy, this contentment. We don't worry so much about it the way the world worries about it anyway. So there's both sides to this. Okay? And I think we need to understand that and, uh, and, and realize that and begin to live that way. There is practical wealth accumulating in the life of the person who is applying the wisdom of God and how they manage their finances. And the scripture teaches us this. Hey, a, a, a wise man will see any accumulation of wealth as an opportunity to ensure that their family members will be, their children and their grandchildren will be blessed. The Bible says that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. You've heard it said, and I've even heard it said from the pulpit, that I'm, I'm spending my children's inheritance now. You ever heard anybody say that? That's a fool speaking. That's a fool speaking. Because a wise man will say no. He's all, his grandchildren are in his heart, even before he gets to know them. I don't know. It's just something that, because that comes from the heart of God. God is always making sure that those whom he loves are provided for. And we see that as we go through this scripture. So anyway, um, there's practical sides of that. And then there is the spiritual side of that, I do believe. And it's important that we embrace both. Y'all doing okay? All right. Verse 23, to do evil is like sport to a fool, but a wise man Excuse me, but a man of understanding has wisdom. So to do evil is like sport. In other words, it's, it's with the, 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 uh, the fool, this is what he does, this is what his life's about, and there's no conviction on him of any difference. We understand that. But if you remember what the Bible has already taught us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, chapter 1, verse 7. Y'all remember that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, chapter 9, verse 10. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember those verses? So here's the thing. Those who have a healthy fear, reverence, love for God, they begin to do things somewhat differently. Do you remember when you got saved, you no longer wanted to do the things that you used to do? Y'all remember that? And then when we would try to do it anyway, we wouldn't enjoy it as much because of the conviction of the Lord. Y'all, you know what I'm talking about? So what happens is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because of the love and the reverence I now have for him. I don't want to do the things I used to do. And when the temptation draws me that way, I can't even enjoy it. There's something that has happened. There's something that has taken place. But the fool obviously doesn't know the Lord or the fool has ignored the conviction of the Lord so long that they become calloused. And so evil is sport, but a man of understanding has wisdom. And, and it's a, a beautiful verse. Verse 24, y'all doing all right? Yes. The fear of the wicked will come upon him and the, right, and, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. 
And, you know, we're going to develop this as we go, but the fear of the wicked will come upon him. That thing that they fear, they will, it will happen to them, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. There's a difference in the outcome, as we're going to see, of the wicked than there is from those who are considered righteous. And we're deemed righteous because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? So here's the very thing. What does that mean, Pastor Kevin, and how do you apply that? The desire of the righteous will be granted. You remember the other verse that says you delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Y'all remember that? What's going on with those verses? Does that mean that Jesus is some genie in a box that's going to give us everything we want? Absolutely not. In fact, what happens is that now that I have this healthy fear of the Lord and I've turned to the Lord and I begin to delight myself in the Lord and I'm gaining and storing up the wisdom of his word in my heart, what begins to happen is he is working on me and changing the very thing that I desire. We just looked at it in the previous verse. The fool, evil is sport to them. So as I used to want to live in sin... I no longer do. I'm desiring to please God. My very desires have changed. So what begins to happen, here's the thing. As the verse says, as I begin to delight myself in the Lord, another verse, or the very desires of the righteous, because they are righteous, because they're walking with the Lord, the Lord is actually changing and setting their desires in the right direction so that now that I am in the Lord, my desires have changed and my desires are for him and the things of him. And so he's given me my desires and granting them at the same time because of my relationship with him. Y'all catch that? It's an interesting thing to begin to fathom, but that's the reality. Your local prosperity heretic will give you a different impression of these verses. That you're going to get what you desire because you deserve it. Well, we deserve hell. <laughs> I'm, thank the Lord we ain't getting that. And we don't deserve, we don't want to get what I deserve. But because I love him and he's in me, the very things that I now find myself desiring are the things that line up with who he is and what he desires for me. And so it all works. It all flows in the right direction anyway. It works out. Amen. Isn't that something? That's amazing. Don't y'all think so? Yes. I love that. And I skipped something. I'm going too fast. So back to verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. He adds no sorrow with it. Y'all catch that? I didn't get it. I was moving too fast. I talked about it first service. You know, one of the things that we find is that when God is blessing us, it's truly a blessing because it doesn't add anything that causes sorrow when it comes, okay? But the wicked who go after their own things or the one who lacks the wisdom of the Lord or doesn't apply the wisdom of the Lord, they, they find themselves going out of what they want and it doesn't work out for them in the long run. See, the blessings of the Lord makes one rich, makes one wealthy. But there are those who go after wealth on their own. They win the, the, the lottery and two years later they're worse off than before they ever won it. Or they want all this stuff and they, they give their whole life to going after this achievement or after this wealth only to get it and finally look around and they're by themselves, Sorrowful because they lost those who were important to them along the way because it was what they were going after, not what God was leading them to. Because God has a way of tempering us when we go after things and showing us what we should be focusing our attention on, what we should be spending our time on, what we should be going after. I may have a desire to do this, but as I speak with the Lord, the Lord will show me that you don't have the time to be focusing yourself on that. 
because maybe time is drawn short. I don't know. So people pursue things. They, per they pursue people. They pursue situations. And they don't wait on the Lord. And it brings sorrow into their lives. And I had to go back. I just remembered I didn't cover that. I'm so sorry. Let's back, back where we were now. You ready? Let's move forward. Verse 25. I'm going to read verse 25 because I don't want to be in danger of skipping anything. But verse 25 goes with my last point. I'm going to read it and go to verse 26. It says, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. I'll come back to that. Verse 26 says, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Isn't that an interesting verse? Solomon just threw that one in there. Doesn't even fit, but it's interesting. Um, and the difficulty with that verse is as I talk to people, even in the first service, nobody really has a, uh, a clue fully what it means in the first part, the first part of the verse. And because I am a country boy from North Carolina, the first part of the verse just doesn't make sense. Here's what I mean. As vinegar to the teeth. Well, in North Carolina, we grow up, we, ba we got vinegar from babies on the table. From my child, from my birth, are the hot peppers in the vinegar in the jar, and you sprinkle that on your collard greens. Hit it on your cabbage. That's what you got, right? Y'all know that. Or barbecue, North Carolina, got to have a little vinegar to it, right? So, I mean, I don't know. Anybody know what vinegar does to the teeth uh, when they drink a few? But you're the only one all day, two people. It, it must bring some level of discomfort. Here's why we know the verse says, as vinegar to the teeth and comparing it smoke to the eyes well smoke burns the eyes if you ever been camping you know that right smoke burns the eyes and we would be around a fire my dad would always say that the fire that the smoke fo follows the ugly people so i'm dancing around the fire <laughs> trying to make sure the smoke ain't coming my way you know he was an instigator so smoke smoke burns the eyes but notice it says, so the lazy man, so is the lazy man to the one who sends him. And there's, there's an interesting thing that Solomon is probably reminding his children of. Smoke, as smoke burns the eyes, a lazy man is like that to him who sends them. And so for a believer needs to understand to be lazy is to cause an irritation to the one that you might be accountable to. And we're all accountable to somebody. So, whoa, wait a minute. What is he saying here? Well, you know, if you are an employee on a job and you are lazy, unreliable, not on time, never finishing the task, you are causing an irritation to the person who you are accountable to, which is contrary to the type of person whom you're supposed to be. Because the Bible tells us that we are to be the fragrance of Christ. Now, do I want to be causing the irritation to somebody's eyes or they gritting their teeth when they think of me? Or do I want to be the sweet aroma of Christ? Because, as the scripture tells us, uh, even in the New Testament, bond servants be a certain way to your masters. So then how I conduct myself as an employee or somebody who is accountable to somebody else. And I use the word accountable because it can be the job, it can be ministry, it can be anything. And, it, and if, if we are accountable, if we have uh, responsibility for someone and we are lazy at it, we are causing an irritation, we are not representing the one who bought us with his own blood. 
And that's what the scripture is trying to get at here. And maybe that's for someone here. You should be the person that is the fragrance of Christ on your job to the point that when they think of you, when they think of me, they think of, uh, of, of someone who, listen, someone who is uh, reliable and diligent or, or at least someone who's not. There's no irritation. If you didn't get the promotion, if you didn't get the raise, the question I would ask is, are you making sure that you are not an irritant when they think about who you and when, you're, when you come across their mind? That's something you got to consider. Hey, here's the thing. The Word of God is a mirror and a prick. The Holy Spirit uses it. He says, hey, see, this is what's wrong, and now get it right. You follow me? You know, because this is how he wants to deal with us. He doesn't want to leave us the way he finds us. That's good Christianity. Christianity ain't about feeling good. You know, you don't get mad and send an email. It's, this, is, <laughs> this is what we're called to do. And it, because this is a good thing. We want to represent Christ. And, you, you, you know, the person, the person who is a pleasant thought when their name comes up, that might be the person that gets the day off. That might be the person who's considered for the raise. That might be the person who has the favor of God upon their life because they are obeying him. That's why I always tell you, you are free at work. The boss don't own you. You belong to Christ and you work as unto Christ and let him have the rest. Amen? All right, verse 27. Now, verse 27 through 32 is a kind of a different point, and 25 goes with it. So now let's back back up to verse 25. Look at it with me. It says, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Now, this is a beautiful verse, and I need you to stay with me for a moment. Okay, because this is something that is consistent throughout Scripture. In fact, let me give you another Scripture where in Psalms 37, 9 through 10 on the screen, it says, For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. You see that? For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall not be, or it shall be no more. Um, then why did the nations raise Psalm 2, not on the screen, and, and all of this stuff? And as we go through, all of the prophets are consistently teaching, listen, that the wicked will be judged. And this is the thing that we need to begin to understand. Now, stay with me for a moment, because maybe you've been watching the news, and you, you're seeing that, you know, man, the stuff that's going on in this world, it sure does look like God is drawing Gog out and that the, the things of Ezekiel chapter 39 are getting, getting put in place, you know, and people are, some people get a little uneasy. Some people get a little concerning. But the reality is, listen now, the reality is there is absolutely nothing at all for any of us to be concerned with as far as that or worried about. Because all it would say to us is, man, we getting close to seeing Jesus. Because the Bible tells us, listen to me very carefully. The Bible tells us that God is coming, the Lord Jesus is coming to judge this wicked world. And to judge the kingdom of darkness, which is Satan. And in no way does the Bible imply that we're going to make this place better between now and then. There's this little glimpse where the Bible says, when they say the wicked... When they say peace, they say peace, then sudden what? Comes upon who? Them. That's the language of the verses, and, and uh, I believe it's over in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. But you, church, were not of them. You, you catch the language? So in other words, the wicked are going to be judged. And the verse says, 
when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked are no more. What is the whirlwind? What does this mean? Because when we think about it, we try to practically test this. When the tornado or the hurricane comes through a community, most of the time there's no distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, we get these testimonies here and there where it blows up a whole field and leaves one house of somebody who knows the Lord. We, we got that missionary field. We hear that from time to time. But generally, the whole community is impacted, and the church has to then roll up their sleeves and love their neighbors, right? We understand that. But in Scripture, the whirlwind often speaks of judgment. Just like in Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel saw a whirlwind come and the Lord was in it. Y'all remember that? It was the judgment coming towards the world. And so here's what we got to understand. Judgment is coming to this world because the Bible said so, no matter what anybody else says. And these verses are true, but we don't need to be moved because the Bible says here in verse 25, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. In other words, we are secure forever. We have a foundation built upon Christ, and we don't have to worry about these things. So yeah, we're going to begin to see the world go in a direction. But we need to be, be those who can get excited about that because we know that the Lord is coming for us. And here's what we need to understand concerning all of this. Listen to me very carefully. Because of this, the Bible says that all nations under the demonic influence of Satan will be against Israel and no nation will stand for her. And there'll be a few nations who will comment and make a question according to the Ezekiel 39. And the young lions is mentioned in there, which could be, which really represents younger nations and America and Canada and some of the nations could be a part of the young lions because we generally are younger nations than a lot of the nations across the water that have been there for many, many millennia. Y'all know what I'm saying? Okay, so we understand that. So it's possible that we are there, but that's the extent of it. We have, we are not, listen, America will not be any superpower saving force for Israel. God will defend Israel. Which means, and this is, this is how we kind of see ourselves, how see the end times wrapping up. But what it means, y'all, is that, listen, and this is even for our brothers and sisters who are part of this church who are watching online from, from overseas that we're, we're, you know, who are in the military and we're so thankful that they serve our country. Amen? Amen. But if it comes to a point where our country begins to point our weapons towards Israel, if I was in the military, that's when I had to get a dishonorable discharge. Because God is going to judge those who come against Israel. In the last days, we need to understand something. As all this begins to, to shape up, only the Bible is true. And what it says we have to hold on to. And we need to understand everything else that goes on according to the word of God. And so um, a lot of things have happened over the last few years. And you know, we see things going in some directions. These verses are trying to get us to understand and remember that God is sending his son, Jesus. Jesus will be returning. He will be coming with the eyes of a flame of fire. He will be destroying the Antichrist and his army uh, that's leading all of the, the world at that point, the nations against him. You understand? Uh, America nowhere in the scene, which means something will happen to the nation we live in at some point. So it's not about saving America. We can't because the Bible is, 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 is concrete and sealed. Amen? So we need to understand that. But we have an everlasting foundation. Notice the rest of the verses. Verse 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked 
will be shortened. These verses are wonderful. What does he mean to fear the Lord prolongs days? Well, I believe this practical and there are spiritual reasons why that's the case. Practically, a fear of the Lord prolongs days because as we've already learned since we've been in the book of Proverbs, that somehow loving the Lord and walking in the Lord basically gives us a level of peace and takes away anxiety that has an effect on the rest of our bodies so that the chemicals are not all firing the wrong things into our bodies, which causes us to not be healthy. But we have this overwhelming peace because we don't worry as much anymore. God is good and it don't matter what else happens. And so it gives me a different perspective on life. It makes my body healthier. Well, y'all remember all of the verses that told us that. How many of you remember them? Not enough of you. Chapter 3. <laughs> I try to teach y'all. <laughs> we got these rules that y'all don't abide by. So now you got to go. Chapter 3, verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Speaking of this fear of the Lord and this understanding of his word. Okay, length of days, peace it gives you. It lengthens your days, it gives you a peace. Chapter 3, verse 8, it will be help to your flesh, strength to your bones. Uh, verse 16, length of days are in her right hand, speaking of wisdom. Chapter 4, verse 10, and the years of your life will be many. All of these verses are constantly speaking to the fact that God's word, the love for God, walking with him, has a practical impact on our physical bodies. Okay, it doesn't mean we still live in a fallen world and our bodies are fallen. So it's not, it's not meaning that you're going you're gonna to live perfectly for 100 years. No, absolutely not. But generally speaking, and scientists have even figured it out, scientists know that anxiety and worry and fear are unhealthy. But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, love, power, and sound mind. And as we, as we um, make our request not being anxious, but making our request known to him, the, the, the peace of God comes. It guards our heart, right? Remember these verses. So there, there's something that happens that has an impact on our physical being. However, it goes beyond. The fear of the Lord prolongs days. In what way? As Jesus told uh, Mary and Martha that those who believe on me shall never die. The fact of the matter is, here's the problem I told first service. The problem is, it's very hard for us to understand life because of how we perceive death in this current world. Death strikes fear. You know, people are fearful of death. They are fearful of what is it going to be the moment I die? How is it going to be? You know, is it going to be scary and all this kind of stuff? And the Bible teaches us, no, no, no. Absent from the body, instantly present with the Lord. Lazarus and the rich man, he instantly was escorted. So what we begin to find out is that what happens is that when we die, we literally, I think we, I think we die kind of stepping out of our body, dancing somehow. Because then we realize just how heavy this life really was. And then we begin to say, whoa, this is what life feels like, man. I was dead the whole time down there. We're born again. I understand we have life. But there's something that, that we will just step out of into life, that eternal life with the Lord, that, that it's forever. And so the fear of the Lord, look. The fear of the Lord prolongs days in both ways. Not only physically is my body going to be healthier, but the reality is I'm not going to die. My body will end in this age, but man, I just begin to experience real life to the highest and to the fullest. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. Verse 28, the hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Verse 29, the way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. 
Verse 30, the righteous will never be removed. And I love that. We're out of time, but the righteous will never be removed. Isn't that beautiful? But the wicked will not inhabit the earth. Now, the, the righteous will actually inherit the earth. The wicked won't even inhabit the earth. Imagine that. What does that look like? We won't be removed. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, all these things. What happens? Well, one of the things we know when the Lord returns, he establishes his kingdom for a thousand years where we, those of us who are Gentiles, Israel has Jerusalem. Jesus will reign from there. The rest of us, the church as a whole, what are we? Well, we are now the bride soon to be the wife of Jesus. And guys, where did you, where's your wife? Close by. Amen. She's with me. And likewise, we will be with him and we will, we will literally inherit the earth. We will have all of it. Notice verse 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cast, uh, cut out. Excuse me. Verse 31 says literally cut out. We're almost done. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. Going back to our previous thought. And here's the thing. The lips of the righteous knows what is acceptable, I believe, by the very Spirit of God. And so as we end, and we want to go forth this week speaking those things which are acceptable. And I hope you encourage, you know, you're going to see some things happening in the world over the next few years. And never be, I don't want you to be alarmed. We're not to be fearful in the final hour. We don't know how long before the Lord comes back. We don't. But as we see things that line up with Scripture and we're looking at it, it's just for us to be able to get excited about it. Amen? The Lord has already promised. You know what he said that we're supposed to be doing? Here it is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. Look into heaven for God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will come from heaven to deliver us from the wrath that is to come. That verse says that there is wrath coming. But Jesus is coming first to deliver us from it. The word literally means rescue. He has plans for us. Those of us who belong to him, he has plans for us. So we can be excited about the times we live in, but also a sense of urgency as far as the gospel always. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for this, this day. Thank you for your word, Lord God. I pray that as we prepare to go out of this place that you've called us to and given us, that you would be with us, Lord, as we fellowship um, and then as we travel to our homes, as this week, through our, throughout this week in our homes, um, as we are on the roads, Lord, and in the, in the, on the jobs, the classrooms, all of the places that we go, I pray that all of the things that we have experienced today together in your word, Lord, that you would bring that to our memory, that you would give us discernment, that you would give us favor, and that you would protect all who have gathered here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing. God bless you all. Mm -hmm.